Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. All right. Uh, I want you to take your Bible tonight and, and turn uh, with me, please, to uh, the book of John chapter 6, I want to, Pastor Don preached a great message Sunday morning uh, out of uh, the book of John chapter 6, and he talked about bread or uh, breakthrough or bread, bread or breakthrough, Uh, but it was a great, great word, on time word, Uh, and I've been, as as I've said often, I've been in the book of John for a, a good while studying and, and just uh, I, I thought I was just going to kind of do a flyover uh, study, but, uh, you know, my, my flyover has been lasting for uh, two or three months, and I've just made it to Chapter 6. So, uh, But anyway, it's such, it's such a, a powerful book and, and, and all that. And, but I was... I was actually in chapter 5 uh, the other day and, and I was praying uh, and Holy Spirit just kept leading me to <clears throat> chapter 6 and uh, Brother Don uh, preached the message Sunday morning and I went back and was just going to read over and read through and <clears throat> I, I began to look at uh, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And in the book of John, <clears throat> there are seven statements that Jesus made and uh, referring to himself as the I am. Uh, he said, I am uh, the bread of life uh, is the first one. And then it goes on down and he talks about, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am the vine. And so what I'd like to do tonight is just kind of, uh, Lord's willing, and, and as the Lord leads, I want to talk about, starting tonight, I want to talk about the seven statements that Jesus made uh, about the, I, we'll call them the I am statements, and you probably have that in your uh, study Bible. But uh, as I begin to look at that, one of the things that's been on my mind and, and that the Lord's been dealing with me about uh, for the past several weeks is the fact that, uh, that it's all about Jesus. And, uh, you know, you can, you can do whatever, you can say whatever, but we're in a culture today uh, that, that uh, so many times Jesus is misunderstood. When you talk about Jesus, it's misunderstood. So tonight, I wanna I wanna go there and I wanna look at some things and about Jesus being the bread of life. Uh, and uh, in John chapter six and verse thirty-five, uh, Jesus uh, said to them, "I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst." And then in John chapter 6 and verse 47, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, very, very elementary, but we know that that spiritual life begins by our believing in Christ. When we believe in, in Christ and, and that word believing is more than just a head knowledge, it's, it's being assured, it's being convinced of who Jesus is and of what his, uh, his purpose for coming was. So when, when we believe in Christ, then that's where our, our spiritual journey starts. And turn to uh, Romans uh, chapter 3, and I want to read a, a scripture there in Romans chapter 3. Verse 23, uh, because that's, we're talking about where spiritual life comes uh, or where spiritual life starts. And, uh, and I, I want to I talk a little bit tonight about getting past our, our horizontal point of view and begin to see vertical, begin get, getting past looking out and see and what we're seeing with our eyes and uh, that's on this earth and even in relation to God and start looking upward and realize the power of Christ. But in uh, Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 23, uh, Paul said this, he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all of us here tonight. Then he said, but being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, notice two words in uh, that passage. The first one is justified, and the second one is redemption. In the book of Romans and, and in Paul's writings, you'll find where he used those two words a lot. Justified, Paul was talking about we've been justified freely and by his grace uh, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So when, when I believe in, in Christ, when I am convinced that he is Savior, when I am convinced that he is Redeemer, when I am convinced that he justifies me and redeems me from my sin, then my spiritual journey begins there. But another important aspect of that is that that is the beginning. 
That's just the start. There's a lot of people that, that come and say, I believe that Jesus is my Savior. But then you don't ever see them move forward. You don't ever see them move past the starting place. But just believing and accepting Christ is the start. Our spiritual life and our spiritual uh, vitality is maintained by us continuing to have fellowship with Christ. Now, it, it, it's got to get past just I know him. It's got to get past just I believe in him uh, and, I, and, and I've, I've met him before. It's got to get past, well, I go to church every once in a while. You got to get past, well, I signed a card when I was uh, a child and, and I joined this church or I was baptized uh, years ago. It's got to get past that uh, and it's got to become a relationship. The journey with Christ has got to be one that is continual uh, and growing and moving and having fellowship with him and, and with his word. Now, uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And when he said, I am the bread of life, he was talking deeper than what the people that he was talking to understood. All right? And, and that's what Brother Don, Pastor Don was talking about Sunday morning, uh, bread or breakthrough, is that uh, the people couldn't grasp or couldn't understand uh, what he was talking about when he said, I am the bread of life. Uh, and, and so let's go back to uh, the book of John chapter 6. And I want to go over uh, to uh, the first part of that chapter, uh, beginning with chapter 1. I'm not going to read uh, this, but I wanted to go there because uh, I, I was looking at this today and, and it just, just caught my attention uh, how the people misunderstood and how uh, so many times in this chapter Jesus was misunderstood. And, and, and I want to I wanna preface this by saying, if you try to analyze and try to figure out God with your intellect, you will never understand him. You will never be able to grasp spiritual things by using your intellect. You've got to understand that God is a spirit and those who worship him Worship him in spirit and in truth. Your spirit, that that's on the inside of you, your spirit is, is the most important aspect of who you are. Because when your spirit is strong, then everything else will be strong. But when your spirit is broken or when your spirit is weak, then it will, it will uh, affect every part of who you are. So it's important, guys, to understand. We, we talked a few weeks ago about walking in the Spirit, being aware of the, the Holy Spirit, being aware of the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's important. But understand this. Everything about Christ is spiritual. All right? Now, now Jesus is or, or was the living Word. He was the living Word 
when he came to this earth and walked this earth, he was the living word. In the book of John, chapter 1 uh, and verse 1, John said this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And he said, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So we see there that Jesus was the living word. But now we have the written word. All right? And here's the, here's the, here's the beauty of that. The living word died on the cross and resurrected on the third day and later on ascended to heaven and is now seated on the right hand of the throne of the Father. But the awesome thing about that is that the living word said this, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, I know that, that uh, my people are going to need something that's going to, first of all, that's going to bring them revelation of who I am or who I was. And secondly, they're going to need the same power that I operated with while I was on the earth. And so Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost has come now and abides in all of us who receive him by faith. And that Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us teaches us what Jesus said. He brings to our remembrance everything that Jesus said. That's the importance of knowing and having relationship with Holy Spirit because he will reveal to you the words of Christ. He will show you the things that Jesus uh, said. So the written word, and, and, I, and I'm just kind of building something here, but the written word, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, beginning with verse 19 through 21, Peter said this, we have a, a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Now, notice what he said. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And you would do well to take heed uh, as unto a light that shines in a dark place. You would do well to take heed to the word, the sure word of prophecy, and he's talking about the word of God. You would do well to take heed to that word because that word is like a light that shines in a dark place. That word is there to illuminate and show us and bring uh, truth to us. And, the, and he goes on down and he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. How did we get the written word? God spoke. He breathed upon men of old, men such as Moses, men such as uh, the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. He breathed on men such as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, it's just one little tidbit there. The amazing thing 
about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that they all wrote those gospels separately. They didn't get together and say, well, you write yours and we'll compare notes and make sure we got it all right. They didn't do that. They were written at different times and different places and different men, but yet they all tell a different story, but they all tell the same story. They all come from a different point of view, but they all have the same point of view. And see, that's the amazing thing that uh, God breathed upon these men and they wrote and, and, and the, the, the written word of God, which you and I have tonight. But it, it is discerned, not carnally, not fleshly, but it has to be discerned spiritually. Now, in Luke, I mean, uh, John chapter 6, uh, the first part is a story here. And it, this, this story of Jesus feeding uh, the 5,000, uh, you, can, you can really call chap, John chapter 6 the bread chapter because it's, that's all it's talking about is the bread, uh, the bread of life. And, and uh, uh, Jesus talking about the bread, uh, the, bread the manna and, and things such as that. But the feeding of the 5,000 sets the stage for this whole chapter. So that's the reason I wanted to go back to it because there's a couple things that I want us to see there. Uh, the, and, and the Bible says that, that when Jesus uh, went uh, over the Sea of Galilee and, uh, or the Sea of Tiberias, and, and, and the Bible says that a great multitude followed him. And, uh, and the, in verse 2 it says, a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And uh, Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples and, and uh, the Passover was nigh. And, and the Bible says in verse 5 that when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come to him and he said to Philip, whence or where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now that's, that's not a, an unusual statement. But I want you to notice what Philip's reply is because this is the first misunderstanding that you'll see in this chapter. Peter didn't, uh, Philip didn't understand what Jesus was saying, but notice in verse 6, that, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. In other words, Jesus said, Peter, or Philip, I'm stuck on Peter, but Philip, where are we going to get enough money to buy bread for all these people? But Jesus said that, he knew what he was going to do. See, Jesus already understood what he was going to do but the Bible says in verse 7 or, or verse 6 that he knew what he was going to do, but he was trying to, he was testing Philip. He was doing something to prove or to see what Philip would say. Notice what Philip's response was in verse 7. Philip answered him, 
200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient uh, for them that every one of them may take a little. So Philip, you would say, Philip failed the test because he didn't catch what Jesus was talking about. Now I know if I had been there and Jesus had asked me that question, I would have said, okay, you know, you're the man. You, you know, you, you're the one, so you're going to take care of it. No, I'd have been just like Philip. I would have said, well, you know, I, I, I left my wallet at home. You know, there's 5,000 people here. I, I didn't bring my checkbook. And, and Jesus probably would have looked at me like he looked at Philip and just shook his head. But the Bible says that, that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Uh, now, the thing that caught my attention there is this, that Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus has the power over nature. Jesus uh, has power over demons, and, and he has unlimited power. But yet, when he asked Philip this question, Philip looks horizontally and, and gives him a horizontal answer. You know, we don't have, I, it takes so much money, Lord, to feed all these people. And, and then Simon, uh, uh, Andrew's uh, brother, uh, or Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, looks and said, well, you know, here's, here's this young boy, and he's got a, a few fish and some, some loaves of bread, but, but what is that among so many? You see, guys, we, we read stuff like that, and it's easy for me to say, well, you know, they didn't catch who Jesus was and didn't really catch the spiritual side of it, but, but we do that so often. I do. I, I, I miss I miss the things that God uh, wants to do in my life because I'm looking horizontally and, I, and I'm seeing uh, the situation or the circumstance that I'm facing in front of me. And, I, and I, because of, of the struggle of what's in front of me and the vast need that's in front of me, I'm not seeing that there's a God there that is greater than, than whatever I face. You see, Philip and, and Andrew, they didn't recognize even uh, the lack of money or, or the, the, the lack of having enough fish and enough bread. They didn't recognize that, hey, there's one here uh, that, that is the creator. There's one here. Listen, I, I think a lot about, I wonder, did they remember uh, in John chapter 2 when Jesus uh, told them to fill up the water pots with, with water all the way to the brim, the six water pots, and, and when they began to pour it out, it was, it was wine, and, and he turned the water into wine. I wonder if they remembered that. Sometimes it's important, guys, for us to remember uh, the yesterday or the last year that God did something in our lives that we couldn't have done on our own. And we need to remember those things because in hard times, it's good to be able to pull a miracle up and say, well, God, you did this yesterday or you did this last year. And so I know that I can trust you now. 
So the Bible says that that uh, Jesus took the five loaves and he took the the fish, and uh, it was five barley loaves and two small fish. And Jesus said, "Make the men sit down." They sat down in the number of about five thousand. And the Bible says in verse eleven that Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fish as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Now, we see that as a great miracle where Jesus was feeding 5,000 plus people. And that is an awesome thing, especially when he took five loaves of bunny bread and fed 5,000 people. All right? And uh, we can wipe a loaf of bread out of our house in one setting. And, but five loaves of bread and two fish fed 5,000 people. And, and that is a great miracle. And, and you would think that, that, that people would recognize that and all that. But in that, there was a deeper message, I believe, because Jesus was, was saying by the question that he asked Philip, I believe that Jesus was, was moving toward this thing that I want you to understand that I am your provision I am your nourishment. I am that that will feed you and nourish your spirit. Listen, Jesus is much more concerned about my spiritual condition than he is my physical condition. And I know that I love my physical condition and I want everything to be in tip-top shape uh, in my physical body. But Jesus is much more concerned, guys, with what kind of uh, condition my spirit is in. And so uh, he was moving toward that. And so now we get on over in the chapter uh, where we uh, started there, and we see where Jesus uh, begins to bring it on down. And Brother Don talked about this Sunday morning in verses 26 and, and 27 uh, about uh, the people that, that were following Jesus. And, and he said, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. And, and, and uh, he said, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures to everlasting life. And, and so, but, but we go on down and in verse 28, uh, they said to Jesus, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. That's the central message, guys, right there. What is the work? Well, I, I just want to work for God. What is the work of God? It is simply believing on him. And, and like I said earlier, believing not just I met him the other day, 
I don't know him personally, but it is a believing that is convinced of who he is. It is a, be, a belief that, that is settled. I know who Jesus is. And because I know who he is, I know that I've got to serve him and live for him. But and I want to just briefly go through this because it goes along with the fact of people misunderstanding who Jesus was and his purpose. And the Bible says that uh, in verse 30, they said to him, what sign will you show us that we may see and believe you? What do you work? Now, why would they ask, what sign are you going to show me that I might believe in who you are? What kind of work are you going to do that will prove to me who you are? And they, they haven't even digested the bread and the fish that Jesus multiplied and fed them and filled their empty belly. But they, they look at him and say, what are you going to do that will prove to us and show us who you are? What kind of work are you going to do? And they said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, if you, if you read over that real fast, you'll miss what they were talking about. What they were actually talking about was, and Jesus uh, brings it out uh, in the next verse where he said, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gave you the true bread from heaven. But what they were talking about is this. They were saying, Moses provided bread for us in the wilderness for 40 years. Every day during that 40 years, we had bread. So this miracle that you just did is nothing. This miracle that you just performed feeding the 5,000, that's nothing. Moses did it every day for 40 years. He fed millions every day for 40 years. That's the reason that Jesus said, Moses didn't give you that bread. My father gave you that bread from heaven. So you see, even here, these people don't understand. They're not getting the spiritual uh, revelation that Jesus is trying uh, to get across to him. And he said, for the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. So you see, Jesus there is trying to make this transition and get people to see. Listen, the, the bread that, that you ate the other day and, and, and the bread that, that filled your belly, you, you're hungry again. And that's the reason you're following me because you want something else to eat. He said, but what I'm trying to get you to see is you're wanting bread that will fill your belly up. I'm trying to give you the bread of life that will bring eternal life to you. That's what we need, guys. That's what our culture needs today is to understand that God is not a genie in the bottle. God is not a magician that will make all of our troubles disappear and all of our struggles go away. Uh, God is a God that wants to bring life to us. He wants to bring life to those that are struggling and in dead places, and, and God wants to bring that life. And, and they said to Jesus, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And then Jesus, in the next verse, 
that we just read uh, earlier. He said, I am the bread of life. Now, Jesus had, had used a correlation of, of bread and the word earlier in Matthew chapter 4 when he was being tempted uh, by Satan in Matthew chapter 4 and also in Luke chapter 4 when the devil came to him and said, if you be the son of God, command that these stones uh, be made into bread. Now, you see, even there, the enemy, Satan, was trying to appeal to Jesus' fleshly appetite by saying, if you were the Son of God, and I know you're hungry, I know you ain't had no food, I know you hadn't been to McDonald's in 40 days. He said, if you're the Son of God, you see these stones? I don't know about you, but I've been hungry sometimes that, that, that I, I, I could have picked some grass and chewed on some grass because I was hungry. And, and but, but the devil looked at Jesus and said, if you are really the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And it goes all the way through. Listen, the enemy has, has used this, this deception and this lie uh, all down through history. Get people, get their minds on the, the fleshly things. Get their mind on the carnal appetites and, and let them look to Jesus to feel those carnal appetites. But don't let them recognize this, that Jesus is the bread of life. Eat the bread and the fish when he multiplies it. Be happy about it follow him around and try to get some more bread and some more fish, but don't get the revelation that Jesus is the bread of life. Because if you get the revelation that he is the bread of life, you won't have to follow him around. You won't have to run to McDonald's for a happy meal every time, but you'll have something that will sustain you and support you and strengthen you from now on throughout eternity. See, so many times we get caught up in these short-lived desires. We get caught up in these temporary desires and we forget about the eternal aspect of it. Jesus replied to Satan. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What was he saying there? Man doesn't need to live by bread alone, but he needs to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In John chapter 6, in verse 26, Jesus said, you don't seek me because you saw the miracles, but you seek me because you did eat of the bread and was filled. I was thinking about that today, and I thought about uh, Braley. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter where we go and eat. Uh, we can go to a steakhouse, and, and we can say, Braley, we're going to go to a steakhouse. We don't go to a steakhouse very often, but, but we can go uh, to Chins or somewhere like that. And, and Braley said, uh, take me by McDonald's. 
What do you want, baby? I want a happy meal. And and she used to just get a happy meal and that was fine. Now we have to get an extra hamburger because a happy meal is not enough. And as I was thinking about that, I, I thought about people that that so, so many times we're much more satisfied just to get a happy meal than we have than we are to get the true bread from heaven, which is Jesus. You know, when Jesus said, uh, I am the bread of life. He was talking about, I am that that will sustain you. I am that. It's the same thing that he told the woman at the well. He said, you drink of this water and you thirst again, but the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. So you see, Jesus was trying to bring some revelation to these people that he was talking to, but you know what? They never got it. They never got it. They never caught this this understanding that, oh, wow, he's, he's saying that he is the bread of life. And we go on down in chapter 6, and we see where, uh, again, in verse 52, that, Jesus talking about the bread from heaven and how the Jews strove, uh, began to strive with each other among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwells in me, and I in him. Now, and this this really shut them down. When Jesus talk, started talking like that, it shut them down. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread which came down from heaven. They didn't like that uh, because they were religious-minded and horizontal-minded and all that. But when Jesus began to talk about, hey, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood uh, if you're going to have life. Uh, I am the bread of life. You've got to eat this flesh. When, they begin to, when he began to talk like that, it, it messed the, the religious mind up. And what Jesus was saying was, listen, my flesh, is, you've got to take my body by faith. You've got to receive, receive the work that I'm doing for you by faith. You've got to see through the eyes of the Spirit and not the eyes of the flesh. And so uh, Jesus uh, told him, he said, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat man and are dead, but he that eats of this bread shall live forever. Now, the Bible says that after that, uh, that many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? Why was it hard? Why was it hard for them to grasp that? Why even on down, did, did Jesus 
uh, say he knew that many of his disciples murmured against what he said. He knew that they didn't receive it. As a matter of fact, he said, does this offend you? And he said, what if I, you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? And then in verse 63, he said, it is the Spirit that quickens the flesh. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And that's the key, guys. Because so many times Jesus is misunderstood. He's misunderstood about his mission. He's misunderstood about his purpose in our lives. Listen, if, if these people that he was talking to that day, think about it. As he was standing before them and talking about, listen, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you something more than just a temporary fix. I want to give you something that's going to last forever. I want to give you that life that's going to go with you forever. But they didn't understand it. And then in verse 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You know, I was thinking today when in John chapter 11, when they came to Jesus, Mary and Martha had sent messengers to Jesus and said, "Uh, Lazarus is sick, won't you come and pray for him? And Jesus tarried and uh, several days there, but the Bible says that uh, the disciples misunderstood because Jesus said, uh, let us go, and we're going to go because our friend Lazarus sleepeth, and the disciples misunderstood him, and they said, well, he'll do good to sleep. But they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They didn't grasp the fact that they were talking to the resurrection and life. And so when in, in, the view, in the eyes of Jesus, all death is sleep because he was the resurrection and the life. And so, so many times in Scripture, you can see where, where uh, Jesus was misunderstood. But in Ephesians chapter 1, and, and I'm going to close with this. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, beginning with uh, verse 15, Paul prayed a prayer for the people of Ephesus. And that prayer, the main, some of the main part of that prayer was this. He prayed that they would have understanding revelation and wisdom and in verse 15 he said after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him listen wisdom 
when God gives me wisdom, then wisdom knows things. When you have wisdom, you know things. But when you have revelation, you see things. All right? And so what Paul was saying uh, about the people, the church at Ephesus, is that my prayer for you is that God would give you a spirit of wisdom or a spirit of knowing and of revelation that you would not only know things, but you would see things. So it's important that, that we uh, have that spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we see why it's important in verse 17, or I'm sorry, uh, verse 18, where Paul said that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Why do I need a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Because just as the people in John chapter 6 never caught what Jesus was saying when he said, I am the bread of life. They never understood that. They never could uh, grasp the revelation of that. And we read that now. We read that after the fact, and we say, my goodness, how, how dumb could they be? How blind could they be that they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about? But guys, if we're not careful, we'll get in that same rut and that same uh, vein that we will miss what God is trying to say to us. We will miss what Jesus is trying to give to us because our revelation now comes through the Word of God. And, and as we read the Word of God, God begins through His Holy Spirit to reveal direction and guidance and understanding to us. And so it's important that we walk in the Spirit and walk under the anointing so that we don't miss. We need that Spirit of wisdom and of revelation that the eyes, our, the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. And because when the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, we know what the hope of our calling is. We know the plans that Jesus has for us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? You know, this, the sad thing about the story in John chapter 6 was that the last verse says that many of his disciples, when they heard these things, turned around and walked away. Uh, in verse 66, uh, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him because they didn't understand, they didn't grasp really who he was. And I want to tell you tonight the important thing about understanding that Jesus 
is the bread of life is that all through the Bible, all through the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the main food that people had was bread. It was barley, wheat bread, uh, unleavened bread, but that was the main uh, food that uh, people had. That was the main thing that sustained them was bread and water or bread and, and wine. And so, when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, he was saying, I, I am the one that will sustain your being. I'm the one that will sustain your life. So when I understand in my times of weakness, in my times of frustration, in my times that I feel like that I'm not doing, not accomplishing what God wants me to accomplish, I have to go back to this revelation. Lord, you said that you are the bread of life. And you see, because see, when my spirit gets weak and because of the battles and the struggles that I fight on a daily basis, it's good to be able to understand I've got the bread of life. I've, I've got, I can sit down at the table and open the word and feast on the bread of life and he will sustain me. That bread that comes down from heaven that gives eternal life. That's what I need. And so I, it's, it becomes a declaration of faith for me that I have that bread of life. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to starve. I'm not going to go under. I'm not going to be defeated because I've got the bread of life that sustains me. Amen. Father God, we, we thank you tonight. Father, for your blessings, we thank you tonight for your power. And we thank you tonight, Father, that God, that you are the sustaining power that we need. God, your word is our bread. Your word, Father, is, is that that sustains us and empowers us and gives us life. And Father, tonight, Lord, I pray, I pray for those tonight that that just need to know God that father that God that they can find everything that they need to sustain them in your word and I pray tonight Lord that that we might get that revelation father let us not be guilty father of of not grasping and of not catching who you are Lord let us not be found guilty of looking at uh, those things that are in front of us and not seeing who you are. Lord, I just thank you tonight, and I, I pray your blessings over this house tonight, every man, every woman in this room tonight. I just pray that you'd bless them, God, that you'd encourage them and strengthen them tonight. And, Father, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.